welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who is a free swinger on the softball field, but not in his personal life. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, Kieran. I think what I said last week was pretty spot on about the Tigers. Like this team just kind of is what it is. You know, you're gonna have some good days. You're gonna have some bad days in between, and. Uh, probably not going to get a whole lot of consistency. This team went in with a chance to come out of this road trip, a 500 team, and I don't. It's not going to happen like that. It turns out. You know, I, I am a guy who kind of tries to assess vibes, you know, and and not necessarily obviously with the guys because I'm not boots on the ground like you, but just like kind of like the feel of the team from afar, and it just felt like a weird week. I think part of that was the schedule. You know, off Monday, two game series against uh, Pittsburgh, and then you go to go to Washington, and the games play out as they do. We'll obviously talk about them. It just kind of felt like a weird week, and I think because you lose the series to Seattle, okay, whatever. But you went on Sunday, you feel good, and then you went on Tuesday against the Pirates. And you're thinking, oh, Erod's on the mound. Like there, yeah. there's you know, like this could be like that kind of the beginning of some level of ascension you know and Erod didn't have it he was probably due for that you know he actually kind of he kind of ruined one of my pod topics I mean I guess we can kind of talk about it a little bit right now but I was like because I think Tuesday MLB.com did like put out like a Cy Young poll thing and I don't know if they're just pulling fans or what or you know the the Jason Becks of the world or you know how they do it it just said according to MLB.com votes or whatever so whatever but erod was like in the also considering uh also yeah, receiving I, thought votes. Was, I thought that was stupid at the yeah. time i was like he should be like but it said he got a couple first place votes so i don't know yeah when, when he wasn't in the top five i was like okay this isn't even a valid poll so whatever <laughs> i was i was prepared it's like erod just has like a solid game on wednesday i was prepared to come in hammering just hammering about like the disrespect from Eduardo. And then, of course, you know, he has a game that, you know, let's be honest, he's probably due for, you know. And, oh, totally. And, and, and that, it just, it seemed like, like if you were just kind of look at macro with this week, it seemed like that was kind of like, okay, this, uh, we're doomed the rest of the week. Or not, Erod doesn't come out and do his spectacular stuff, which obviously is an unfair burden. And then it's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense you would lose two out of three to Washington. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, that just kind of seemed like a natural progression. Uh, but, yeah, it was just kind of a weird week. I know, you know, you're in, you're in Detroit. You're not, you know, in Washington or whatever. But, like, I don't know. Is there any clubhouse vibes you could say from the Pittsburgh series where, you know, they, they you know, like win, you know, the two-game win streak and then drop it right before? But it seemed like there was – a lot of optimism. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I think the vibes are, are still good. You know, uh, the vibe plus ranking of this team is still above league average, and I don't think it's fair to judge that. I mean, maybe it is fair to judge that day to day. The way I've seen it manifest the most, as I've said before, is like day after a loss, you go in there and it it feels like a new day, like spirits have still been good. So it's not something that that's going to go south that quickly. Look, Tigers are still playing solid baseball in a bad division, you know. If you go take care of business against the Royals, we're gonna have this. Can they get to have get to five hundred conversation all over again? But it has been kind of crazy. I think five times since a two and three start to the season, 
Tigers have come within two games of 500, and they have lost the next game all five of those times. So it's kind of like this carrot that they just can't quite catch. Maybe that's a good thing. Like, if they catch the carrot, you know, then what? You get to 500, it's going to be like, okay, like, I, I mean, I guess first place in the AL Central becomes your goal then, but, you know, uh, those then you're having some real high aspirations. This constant chase is kind of fun, gives us something to watch, gives us something to talk about. But this team, man, it, look, they, they left, I think, 11 runners in scoring position on Sunday. It continues to kind of come back to the offense. Even in a series in which they hit, what, six home runs? Six. You know, got some run production, had some guys on base. There's just not punch in this lineup. And now I know you're going to go into this later, but you look at okay, who's holding this team back, right? Well, Miguel, Scope, Maton, Veerling, now Jake Rogers has cooled off. There's There are too many guys who just don't really give you anything on a given at bat, and that's that's what's holding this team back, and that's what's what's preventing them from taking that next step forward. It's just too random to actually be able to remember, but I don't know if I could really, like... I mean, six home runs in a three-game series, and you lose two out of three... I mean that feels that that feels more unique than not unique. I'll I'll say, especially considering, you know, you had four of them on Friday, and that was a nail biter. Yeah, mm. <laughs> you, you know, and and I today Joey, oh man, did we do the Joey, Joey Wentz didn't have it? Did Joey Wentz hasn't really hasn't had it for a few starts here. Do we do the Joey Wentz conversation now, or you know, like it's just. Hey, if we're know. if we're holding everyone to Turnbull standards, all right, he's got to be optioned. And good thing Matt Boyd had a good outing, because otherwise he was going to have to be optioned. <laughs> I don't want to go on a tangent about this, but but I was thinking we talked about Turnbull a lot last episode, and just thinking back on like kind of how we framed it. The one the one thing I have a second thought on is like, did we dismiss that service time thing too easily? Mm. So we you talk about all these angles of the conversation, and it still kind of comes down to. Yeah, Spencer should have been more forthcoming about his injury if it's as bad as as we're now led to believe. Uh, which again, he's on the IL. The guy's hurt. Should have been more forthcoming. But why? Why didn't the Tigers just put him on the IL? Or once he did tell him, why didn't they just be like, "All right, we're in IL." Like the only real explanation is the service time thing, right? And if that is a conversation, like I feel like that's almost getting too cute. Cause then it's like, oh, you either get another year of Turnbull back from tj or maybe you can get a little more for him in a trade eventually and look pro labor podcast i don't i i it sucks that prospects get their service time manipulated and stuff but i understand very clearly why a team executive you know there's incentive for a team to have an extra year of control on a player like if i were running a baseball team it'd be really hard to not, even with the new CBA, like you don't know if a guy's going to be a rookie of the year finalist or whatever. It'd be really hard to not manipulate that first year. But once you get into a guy's career, right, then you're dealing with a lot of what ifs. And that's another one of the reasons I never came out and was like, oh, the Tigers were trying to mess with his service time. But just in hindsight, like we were, we were kind of dismissive of that. And that that's almost maybe a little bit naive. That's all I got to say. Not going to talk for 30 more minutes about Turnbull, but that was on my mind this week. Yeah, and I'll, I'll probably just add, like, in general, you know, with the new CBA, I think we've all been kind of tricked into uh, not putting that at the top of our minds with anything. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so I think that was probably something that we were guilty of. And, you know, the bottom line is – I and we'll just wrap it up. I'll wrap up this part of it real quick. The bottom line is I actually – didn't think he was worthy of being optioned 
I believe I said that last week. And yeah, felt felt a little better about his outings than have the last couple of Joey Wentz outings, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like Joey Wentz's stuff, but he's you know, he's not necessarily showing those flashes where Spencer was a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, it was just it's a weird it, it continues to be a weird situation. Hopefully the you know, the injury gets uh you know, he rehab treatment and all that stuff and he can get back to finding his form, which I do believe he was doing anyway. Uh but the Wentz thing, dude, like I don't know, like Today on the radio, I think they were just kind of like talking shop. Uh, Maben, who by the way I do like uh, um, oh, on the broadcast. Maben's I think awesome. I think I think he's been a good addition, especially on radio um, when he has a little bit more. Uh, Dan just sets him up so well. But anyway, um, they were just kind of like it's kind of being like, oh, you know, is he tipping his pitches or whatever? I, mm-hmm. I, that was interesting. Could could be true. I kind of thought. I just think he was being more obvious with like arm slot. That would be that was kind of my guess. It's hard to do that watching it on TV, I think. But uh, it just kind of seemed like a, they they knew exactly what they were getting. But I don't know if it was like a tip uh, per se. But uh, this is a guy right now, I think, in Wentz that is benefiting from Turnbull's neck injury and from Matt Manning's foot injury because I. It's hard for me to look at what he's done the past three weeks. And again, we just have to juxtapose the Turnbull thing. We're not going to talk about Turnbull, but if you were going to option Turnbull and you're going to tell me that, like, given the availability of, you know, somebody to call up or whatever, that you're not going to option Wentz. The the question now is, like, who are you bringing up in this place? And we we go through this every year, right? (laughs) Spring training. This team's got some pretty good pitching depth. You know, the Tigers have really good depth. And then very quickly, all right, Manning's hurt. Turnbull's hurt. Wilmer Flores is not knocking on the door of the big leagues like we thought he was going to be. You know, Fiedo's already up here. Uh, you, you You no longer feel great about the starting pitching depth that is in Toledo. And one thing the Tigers don't really have this year is like the Drew Hutchison's of the world, that veteran guy that you feel you can call on at a moment's notice. Um, you know, I'd have to look a little bit deeper at the, I guess, the numbers in Toledo, but off the top of my head, there's there's not that pitcher that you really feel like is going to give you a better chance to win than Joey Wentz right now, uh, which you could argue that comes back to roster construction. Why don't you have these veteran guys at the same time? I think that's just the reality of, Pitching, right? You always think you have depth, and you always quickly learn, oh, you, uh, you don't. Garrett Hill was supposed to be your depth. Eh. Bo Brisky's hurt. Uh, Reese Olsen finally had a good outing, but he was he was really struggling. Like, these guys who were spo- kind of supposed to be that starting pitching depth just, just haven't been there. Yeah, I mean, that's true. So and- now you got to – I think you got to hope you can get Wentz right and bridge this thing until it sounds like Terry Scooble might, you know, is on the right track, you know, maybe not too far away from a rehab assignment. Uh, if you can get through another month, maybe you're talking about having Turnbull and Manning and then and maybe you're feeling better about things. Yeah, because I was going to make a joke. I was like, you know, it was it's a bullpen day coming, but then it was like, well, some of these starts have kind of been bullpen days, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just, just wasn't intended that way. Uh, so yeah, like the Wentz thing, something to monitor, I think it's like, I want him to figure it out, like on the flags. I think that, you know, learn, learn by doing right. You know, believe in that. 
but also at the same time, I kind of feel for him having to do that at the major league level, having like his ERA, you know, suffer, you know, when people just look him up, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, but all right, let's, let's go to the most pressing matter of the week, Cody. And that's that you jinxed Javier Baez because you wrote about him. It was a story that was picked up in this, uh, the windup over on the athletic, a little bit of, I don't know what you call it. It's not really like a newsletter, but it's like a... It's a, uh, it's a newsletter. It's a it's daily a, newsletter. Okay, so we call, well, okay, we call it a newsletter. And it is something... So here, here's... Remember we were talking about the World Baseball Classic, and we were like, hey, people love Javi in the WBC. Like, remember, like this guy is a beloved guy, more or less. You've written a lot of interesting and great articles this season. Uh, I'm not sure how many of them have been picked up in this thing, but the subject matter was a factor in this getting you know shared with the general baseball reading public that the athletic has. And so again, an example of the power and prowess of Javi. Uh, since then, I don't know if he's had a hit though. So I, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I guess for you personally, then we'll talk about Javi. How does it feel to kind of like write a story, especially like, you know, something that's relatively statistical based and then immediately afterward, like have it go the other direction? How does that feel for you? I'm just kind of curious. I don't know if I've ever. Uh, yeah, it feels like it happens all the time. You just kind of <laughs> got, got to get in the mindset like, look, what I write does not affect what happens on the field. Like, I don't actually believe in jinxes. It always does feel like. I mean, that's one reason you write it, though. When a guy's playing well, it's like, well, I better write about this now because in three days it might not be true anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's not saying I'm, I'm trying to ride the roller coaster. Like the, the, the Riley Green story I wrote turned out to be pretty prescient, hopefully. Uh, but the Javi thing, the gist of it is true. Like he's striking out the lowest clip of his career. He went, I think, over uh, 13 this weekend against the Nationals. Still only two strikeouts, which by Javi Baez standards pretty good good, good ratio uh yeah and he's he, he has started to cool off pretty significantly here in the past week or so but there's there's got to be some change in approach going on not just the hot streak uh after the benching season long you know Javi Baez striking out less than ever now here for a pretty uh pretty sustained stretch which isn't that encouraging and it, it kind of feels like still no one no one still really wants to give him credit for it, you know, and it's like you're all waiting on Javi to cool off, which look, I get it. Didn't necessarily say he's not going to not gonna continue to be streaky, but the quality of it bats has been better, right? Some balls in play with a runner on third, a, a grounder to the right side to move a guy over here and there, and then that comes with the caveat, well, he's only got three home runs, you know, so do we... Do we want the old hobby? Do we want the strikeout rate going back up so we can see some more power? Because you do. I mean, this is a guy you want to see more power out of. Uh, his WRC plus for the season after a rough weekend is down to 73. So you can chop it up in a bunch of different splits and numbers and overall, like, seeing some good with Javi. But until that power ticks up, he's, he's not quite the guy uh, I guess you're hoping to get. But it yeah. looks different after a bad weekend yeah. than it did three days ago when I wrote the story. So. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's funny. So I am, I'm also curious that 
like I think we all know like the the hobby in the clubhouse with reporters is different than the hobby with the teammates and with you know being on the field or whatever like we we've talked about this. Uh so when you're approaching an interesting personality like Javi Baez and you're trying and you have like an idea of like all right, here's a trend. I wonder what 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 he's seen, what he's going to say about it. And I I thought he actually, you know, he said some stuff that was yeah, it was frank and was honest. It was it was good. He wasn't trying to pretend like he was somebody that he wasn't, uh, in terms of like you know the type of hitter that he is. And he, he, I don't know. I just I'm just curious what it was like trying to interview him about this streak, and then you know, throw in that ball players are notoriously like superstitious. We make the joke that Riley Green always says that he's never changed his approach in his life. You know, uh, so like I was just, I'm just kind of curious. A guy like Javi, you're talking to him about this like good stretch here, trying to get a dig a little deeper, um, and but you're at the mercy of what he's gonna give you. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, number one, there are a million misconceptions around Javi, and one of them is that he's, like, bad with the media, and he's not. He's not always around the most frequently, but I don't think uh, I've ever seen Javi Baez decline a... Um, definitely not a post-game interview request. I think before the game, he, like, for whatever reason, doesn't like to talk as much. He's going about his stuff. This interview was actually a rare pre-game Javi interview, uh, but after games, he's accountable, like, and he's, he's you know, you guys had to stand up there and answer some tough questions in his time in Detroit, and he he's never shied away from it, and, like, generally he's friendly, he's, uh like, more approachable than people give him credit for, I guess, like, you know, I like interacting with Javi, um, actually interviewing him, eh, bit of a bit of an art, because sometimes, like, you ask something, right, and then uh, he gives an answer, and in the moment, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah. And then you go back and listen to it, and you're like, he didn't answer the question, or really, this is a string of words that don't actually make a lot of sense when put together. So I think that was some of, some of what happened here. Like, you feel like you had a good talk to Javi about hitting, and then you go back, and it's like he started talking about how he has strong legs. Like, what? What exactly is the takeaway here? But I did ask Javi, just like, what do you think's, you know, leading to you striking out less? And he was like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, but then he went, did go on to say he was kind of opening up too much, coiling a little bit with his load and, and tried to minimize that. So that was, you know, one, one small insight, which is certainly better than nothing. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, every time I see him swing a bat, I'm surprised he doesn't strike out more because he, it's, there was a video of torque doing a hobby impression I think it was on the tiger's instagram or whatever you gotta find this video if it still exists on the internet it was amazing and it wasn't really the swing he just did the like one deck like violently yeah. throwing seeds in his mouth it was during and had BP, kind of the hobby right? walk it was a am- it was so good yeah i think it was during bp yeah uh, yeah recently because i think the net was up yeah that was good uh and aj's approach to this uh, again another thing I want to give AJ credit for is I thought he says he did all these things to have like a better relationship with Javi and uh, you know, how he learned how to manage him last year. And then like I said, goes to to Puerto Rico during the off season and um, has to bench him. And, you know, that's obviously in, in, in the story as well. But I do feel like AJ maybe has pressed the right buttons here. And even today, 
it struck me as weird. Maybe um maybe I'm wrong here, Cody, but it struck me as kind of unique, I guess, that you had Javi batting second and Riley Green batting third, and there was a right-hander on the mound today. I I don't have enough uh, RAM to try to figure out to remember off the top of my head how much that's happened this year or even last year, but it did kind of strike me as oh oh okay uh, I don't know what that means, but it did kind of it did kind of it raised it raised my eyebrow a little bit. Uh, but again, if you would have told me like last year at a certain point like Javi's batting two or, and most of the time he's batting three. And you actually kind of feel okay with it because he's not striking out as much. You know, I wouldn't have said you were crazy, but I would have said, eh, I don't know if I'd uh, bet my bottom dollar on it. So uh, AJ's approach to this, I think, has been great. He like, uh, I think, like when he said it was more about the team and not Javi, like that was him trying to, you know, not make Javi the scapegoat or whatever, you know. I just feel like this is another credit to AJ Hinch, the manager of people and personalities, not just we talk about the the managing of the bullpen and, and even lineup construction and all that stuff. But this is an example of being a manager if you're able to get this out of hobby, I think. Yeah, I, I actually meant to say this last week and it would have played better last week when, when the Tigers were rolling a little bit more. But we're talking about people who've got their swagger back a little bit. AJ Hinch, man, talked about last year was just like, bad year for him if a manager can have a bad year i think that's what you chalk it up to uh due to some of the right buttons his in-game management has been pretty pristine i i was a little critical of him a uh, series against the orioles and it seems like since then just every in-game move he's he's made has been on the money he's got the team playing cleaner baseball doing some of the little things like the vibes are good I've seen some dudes some guys showing some signs of progress improvement guys like zach mckinstry uh, AJ in general, like, I think he's had a little bit more of a bounce in his step. Like, I think he's got that AJ swagger back, and that's it's been good to see. Well, let's not not mention the ejection. You know, that was uh, that was pretty fun. I, I love it when AJ gets tossed. He, ne- he never does it, right? He doesn't <laughs> do it very often. I, I know the fans on Twitter always want to see more emotion out of AJ, and, and I generally think that's dumb. Like, AJ getting tossed from a game isn't actually going to, like, uh, do a whole lot and when he does go out to argue it is actually when he's protecting a player uh, not necessarily like for a bad call but Haas was John at the umpire a little bit that's why AJ went out there it did seem like that umpire Nick Lenz I believe had a, a really quick trigger AJ got tossed like as soon as he was out there and then AJ was kind of like all right well I might as well stay and get my money's worth get so. my money's worth yeah. here uh what was the quote that was uh, a lot of it was picked up but the big one was you made it about you, you. made it about you yeah which is a yeah I think AJ said that's umpires before you know that's uh that's a good one like that's that, that, that's a good one to have in the arsenal and uh and yeah it was just kind of like generally like a bizarre thing I don't know if you like talked about it anymore or whatever after the game but it was it was a quick quick pull by the umpire and i bet you if that guy was being honest he probably would admit that too like it was unnecessary like probably to do it that quickly yeah. um i would say so yeah shout out shout out aj hitchkin the swag back you know you know who else i think has gotten their swag back a little bit cody i think it's i think it's time that we give a little torque love i think it's time so like for sure sometimes like, there are certain guys that kind of surprise you with how much people who aren't, like, Tigers fans or Tigers followers, like, will bring up. 
And Torque's one of them because, you know, he obviously he was the number one overall pick, and he played at a baseball power uh, in Arizona State. So guys, like people who follow baseball, like know Torque. You know what I mean? Like they know like the profile of Torque. And I get asked about him by like, you know, Rangers fans, you know, coworkers or whatever, like, you know, oh, yeah, how is he doing, you know? And May's been a pretty good month for Torque. He entered today hitting 290 in the month, and he had a – he had one today. I don't know if – I don't think he had two, but he had one really nice defensive play uh, to, to get an out uh, going off the bag and, and applying the tag on a throw from uh, McKinstry from third. Yeah, the the first RBI hit today had a home run uh, yesterday. I don't know, like it's it seems to me that he is he is progressing like you would want somebody who had a heap of a year last year and you know start out still figuring out this year. I, I just feel like he's progressing. I feel like we need to acknowledge Torgelson progressing here, a guy who's played basically every day. Uh, like it's just worth noting the guy, I feel he's gone up in the lineup too, you know, bang clean up a lot. So like, this is a guy whose progress where we should probably acknowledge more right now, because if it continues on any sort of trajectory, like this team advances a lot further than, um, than obviously they would otherwise. And it makes the team build to coin a, uh, Mark Garrosh phrase. It makes the team build look a lot better when you have your first overall pick uh, looking like a guy with that kind of pedigree. Yeah, I think the progress from Twerk hasn't been like as pronounced as what we've seen from Riley Green. It's been a little more subtle, and I think it's still, say, like a level below um, Riley Green right now. But the good thing is Twerk is showing a lot of good signs. And you look at some of the deeper metrics, there's evidence. He's, he's still had a little bit of tough luck. Like his expected batting average for the year is 272. So pretty good, right? Uh, you, you still want to see more power. You want to see a little more slug. But there are a few things going on. We talked in spring training about some subtle adjustments he's made in his swing. Um, and what we're seeing now, he's swinging the bat a little bit more often in general. All right, So a slightly more aggressive plate approach. It's also chasing just barely more often. You'd actually like to see him walk a little bit more. Um, but he's he's getting the ball off the ground, which is good. His ground ball rate was 40% last year. It's down to 31% right now. Actually a pretty significant change. He's pulling the ball slightly more. He's hitting more line drives. You add those things up and you're and it's it's happening even more in May. You're starting to see a little bit of a difference. You're starting to get a little bit of production. You know, uh, it's it, it's always fun when you see that torque bomb. They're pretty rare, but when he does it, like his homer uh, in the first thing against the Nationals, you're like, man, if he could just do that a little more often. You know, you see the the power hitter that the Tigers, everyone thought they were drafting. Like, it, it still feels like it's in there somewhere. Um, he's got a long way to go, but I, I, I like what I'm seeing. I like what the numbers are showing. It's just, it, it remains kind of a slow ramp for torque, but... Things are headed in a positive direction, whereas you couldn't necessarily say that like most of the time last year. Leads the team in doubles. He's got 10. And uh, next highest is six, I believe. And he had 16 doubles all of last year. He's got four home runs this year, eight all of last year. 
and we're recording this on May 21st. He's an improving player, you know, like like is basically all I'm trying to get at, and uh, I I find him very reliable from a uh, from a defensive defensive perspective. You know what's uh, interesting is the defensive metrics actually do not like Torque at all. Uh, we see what he can do with the uh, the throws and the picks, but I think every now and then we get a glimpse of like, oh yeah, this guy was actually you know didn't didn't play well at third base for as much as he's probably more athletic than your average first baseman. He doesn't always have the most, he's not the most sure-handed, like hard hit ground balls. We've seen him botch some some fly balls from time to time. Negative uh, one defensive run saved right now, and, and you look at zone rating, it knocks him a little bit too. Actually, it grades out as slightly below average defensively. Hmm. See, I mean, I'm not here to be like anti-numbers guy, but it just doesn't really <laughs> mesh with, with what my, my, my eyes are. And I'll, I'll, I got I got two things. I guess I think it's I think it's actually now a good time to do a follow up from the spring training storyline about the lighter bat or whatever. I think that might be a uh, that might be something that we can uh, revisit. See if it's if he's a if he's still doing it. I mean I, I don't know. And uh, B whether he actually thinks that this is like part of it, you know. And and if he does, maybe it's just a case of kind of mentally playing tricks with yourself. And another thing too, I maybe maybe this is like a little bit of an advice thing for his agent, but we I think we need to figure out what brand of chewing gum he he's chomping on because he's a really aggressive uh, gum chewer. I think. Yeah, you're right. You're and right. and I think there's a sponsorship opportunity out there for him. Uh, maybe he could do some you know self branded you know chewing gum or whatever. I, I just think there's something there uh torque bubble bombs uh there you go uh so i just think I, I i just think like there's an opportunity there so we need to find out about the bat and we need to his agent to see if there's any sort of chewing gum uh sponsorship opportunity all these great ideas you it, you miss your calling man you should be in some <laughs> form of marketing where you're like paid to come up with these ideas and help help market guys you could let's call a friend of the pod scott boris you could probably work for boris corp and, and be of use here well, Scott, you got my cell phone number. You know, if you feel like I could be of use, I know you've always been good to the Tigers with your clients. So, like, you know, I'll happily work for you, Scotty boy. He also was the agent for the guy that went to my high, first guy that went to my high school to make it to the major leagues, Taylor Teagarden. So, I've been been a spot Scott Boris fan for a long time. And you know what, Cody? Like, while we're still kind of doing the give credit thing, I've actually. It's kind of, again, I said it was a weird week at the beginning of this pod, and I feel like what we've done is give, like, credit out to people, and uh, we're going to do that again, or I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to give you credit, because you, this week, tackled the most delicate issue the Tigers have on their team in several years, uh, the Miguel Cabrera conversation. I think there, there is, it's, it's interesting. There's like two camps of people. I think there are people that are just like, yeah, whatever. He's a legend. We're just gonna, we're just gonna, you know, I don't even care. Not even bite the bullet because I don't think that it, like there's the emotions are just still too good. You know, sort of like a, uh, you know, if like an announcer or like TV host or whatever, like you know, just doesn't have their fastball anymore. It's like you just don't care. You still wanna 
you know, you still want to watch Johnny Carson, even if he's not as sharp as he was. Although he was still good at the end. But you, you see what I'm saying. The Miguel Cabrera thing, it's a tough deal. And I thought it was very adequately timed on your on your part to write this story when the team is, I guess we'll say, knocking on the door of being 500. And, in fairness, the division, the division race. If there's a division race in... in Mid to late May, Tigers are in it, right? So, I, I, I guess I just want to say, like, how did you kind of approach going through this story? Because you ha- you got some, I thought, some great insight from AJ on this. Even pull the interview from the radio. Like, that's that's something you got to do. Like, like, that's research right there, folks, if you're pulling uh, interviews <laughs> from the radio. Um, so, why did you kind of decide to publish this story? Uh, how did you go about it? And then we can kind of break it down a little bit further. Yeah, and the, the simplest way to put it is I think I got tired of watching Miguel Cabrera roll into ground outs. Um, and then, you know, it was, uh, I think he was in, you know, he, he was playing against Rich Hill. I think he'd played the day before. So it was kind of a rare night game, day game setup. And the Tigers were winning. and it, But yet their offense is still literally the worst in baseball if you go by OPS. And it was kind of like, all right, you know, if these guys are going to get serious, what is that? What does that mean for the guy in your order who has a, a 31 WRC plus? And look, I've already mentioned it. Miguel's not the only problem in this order, but it's it, it it feels like a little bit of a black hole when he comes up to bat, man. And and look, he's a legend. He's an all time great. But um, I think I said this last year. Like it's it's just tough to see this lasting a whole other year. But when the Tigers decided to bring him back, when Miguel decided to come back for another year. Look, there's a lot of money on the table. Can't can't necessarily blame the guy for doing it, but this is what you risk happening, and now here we are. He's hitting 177. He's been hitting at that clip since last year's All-Star break. He's not playing very much. The best thing A.J. Hinge can do is play him as little as possible, but then that hamstrings the, the rest of your roster. We've seen it impact a few different lineup decisions, and if you, again, if the simplest thing to say is, well, just don't play him. Well, then you're playing with a, a 26-man roster. Uh, credit to AJ because I just kind of asked the question. Like, there's no easy way to go about it. And I was just like, look, how does Miguel's uh, production or lack thereof uh, affect his playing time as we get a little deeper into the season? And AJ gave a, a, a pretty trademark, eloquent AJ answer that kind of covered all the bases but was still respectful to Miguel, but he ended it with he's going to have to earn extra playing time just like anyone else, uh, which was interesting. This When's is the last where, time Miguel has had to earn? Yeah, that, that's Miguel. literally never been said before, and it's still kind of, he's the one guy who doesn't really have to earn playing time. He, I, I, He's not earning his at-bats against left-handed pitchers either, you know, but it's, it's clear it continues to be scaled back, and if the Tigers win games, if they keep pushing at this 500 mark, it's, it's going to be like that. Um, I don't know from my standpoint, like, are, are we really going to do this for several more months here? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know what the breaking point is. Uh, but especially if, you know, and that's the other thing This is not even all to slight Miguel. Like this is harder on Miguel than probably anybody. Granted, he's making $32 million. Uh, but he's got some pride, man. And it's, it's not imagine being the very best at something and then you just can't do it anymore. Like, that's got to be a, a weird, like, powerless feeling. And Miguel wants to win, 
and he's not blind to the fact he's actively not helping the team win, you know? It's got to be tough for him. Like, I empathize with him. Uh, but he's caught in the spot of, okay, if he wanted to walk away, like, his agent's going to be like, don't do that, you know? And it's going to be like, like, I don't know what the breaking point is, but it's just not a good situation. And it's, it's not going to magically just get better. We're either going to exist in this terrible state for several more months. It's going to be sad and bad for the Tigers as a team and bad for Miguel in general. Or the the only way it ends, like, it has to be Miguel's idea. Like, it has to be Miguel saying, hey, look, I gave it a try and it's just not working. Like, let's let's call it done. King Griffey Jr. did that in his last year, you know. Uh, it was a little different. It wasn't on a, a mega contract anymore or whatever, but... Yeah, like there's 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 no eloquent conclusion to it other than the situation is really bad and I think I think sometimes we have a tendency to almost turn a blind eye to it, right? Because it's Miguel. Cuz it's Miguel, because he's a legend, because he de- he, de- he and he does deserve to be honored. But man, it's uh it, these at bats are just tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of drifted on my thought earlier. I was I was saying the, the other kind of person is the person that's just like you can't do it anymore kind of rip the band-aid right, off like those right. are the two types i think that we have that we're dealing with is it weird if i kind of think like there's not going to be a breaking point like i just kind of no, feel like no this because is, also I if think, there if there hasn't been a breaking point by now in the last four or five years like is there ever going to be one if there's a breaking point it like, probably have to be health related right like his, his knee gets really yeah. bad, and he's like, just put me on the IL for the rest of the year. Then he still gets paid. That's Maybe that's your solution, honestly. Yeah, gets demoted. Uh, <laughs> but I I, th- I think, and and actually, I, I, I make a joke. I have no, obviously, insight into, I bring up the Turnbull thing again, but it was just a weird thing to be in national headlines for. I think we could all agree on that, to have to oh, do no. this dance and all that stuff. I think that's that's very agreeable. Scott Harris, sure as hell, ain't trying to get into headlines for like forcing no, out Miguel no, Cabrera, no <laughs> which I think is probably what led that's to the smart, situation yeah. we're here now. Yeah, so partially sure. So that's that's worth noting. And you know, I looked. You know, you put in your story, and then I, you know, looked at his baseball reference page. When you read that he's more or less played in, I know that includes like pinch hit appearances, but he's more or less played in half the games. That kind of that kind of surprised me a little bit. I it just to me it felt like less. To me it mm-hmm. felt like less that uh, than I don't know if that like number jumped made you emote in any fashion or whatever. But I was like, wow, he actually has played in that many games. Maybe oh man, this is bad. Maybe it's because you know he hasn't had that many memorable at bats. Uh, is why I feel that way. You know, and you 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 did mention his walk off hit and you know his uh you know they're still like. I don't know what percentage, but there's still some old Miguel in there. It's not like he's it's completely gone away. It's just too few and far in between. And I thought I thought for AJ to be as frank as he was about that. Uh you know, another thing like first of all, you don't do that unless you have A you got to have the stones to say something like that. And B, you got to have yeah. like the respect of your locker room or the, of the clubhouse. Like you can't a first-time manager is not saying that. Probably, I would say so. It, it it just puts the Tigers in a tough spot. And in fairness to Miguel, did you have, did you have something you were gonna say there? Or? Uh, I was gonna I was gonna 
slightly switch the topic. So go ahead and finish the thought on Miguel, and then there's a, a related note on an underperforming player, veteran player. <laughs> well, I was going to say, in fairness to Miguel, he there are people with a lot less pedigree than him who are, you know, also kind of slow in the role of the team, I guess is kind of the the nice way of putting it and i kind of came up with uh, a couple guys and uh, you want to go into that right now yeah like like a, like jonathan scope is the one everyone brings up and seems to be the one who gets the most ire from the fan base for whatever reason and it's interesting scope has actually has fewer plate appearances than miguel cabrera he's coming into sunday with 72 plate appearances never would have guessed that right and he hasn't been good but he's been a lot better than Miguel. He's in 227. His WRC plus is 61, which is terrible, but uh, 30 points higher than Miguel, which really is a referendum on how bad Miguel has been. Um, you know, and we've occasionally seen Scope hit the ball hard. He has zero home runs and he has zero RBI, which, look, RBIs aren't everything, kind of requires some luck. He's been hitting behind Miguel in the order a lot, so that's not going to help him in that regard. Uh, but those aren't, those aren't great. Here's where I'm at on the scope discussion. I'm starting to get like, you can't just have Miguel and have scope and not play him. Scope's showing you a little bit. Like, I think you got to play scope a little more. And if that doesn't work and he's awful and he still has no home runs, then maybe it's really time to look at that DFA, uh, discussion. I don't think he's played enough for that even to be in the op. Like, like AJ's, I guess, trying to hide him and protect him and mostly just playing against lefties. He's at least shown you a little bit. He's actually walking 8.3% of the time, which is the highest clip of his career. That's what the Tigers wanted to, to see him do. Like, I, I think you got to see a little more scope and see if there's still something in there. And if there's not, then maybe you got to get serious about, about cutting your losses there. Uh, but you can't just... Like, you have this bench right now of, of Scope and Miguel and Zach Short, and it feels like none of them are ever playing. And when they do play, AJ has to kind of force his way into the lineup, and, and you just can't have that much uh, uh, dead weight on one team. Like, it's not good for anybody. I like that take. That's the best take, I think, that's come out of this pod in a while. It's like, fit, play Scope, and then we'll, and then we'll kind of get a uh, – and then we'll make a decision. I mean, that's been AJ's you're... MO with a lot of guys in the past couple mm -hmm. years. He's going to play them and prove the point that they can't play and, and forces his front office to make a decision. And it, Scope's a little different, being a veteran, being under contract, um, all that. But, you know, when you look at the fact he's literally played less than Miguel Cabrera, that's, that's, that, that's telling. Yeah. Honestly, that probably shouldn't happen. I know no, it's more complicated so. than, but but I just don't really think that should happen. Uh, Saturday, so God bless Dan Dickerson. It's a lot better now than it has been the past couple of years about him trying to kind of sell the interest <laughs> in some guys. You know, uh, it's part of the job. I'm not saying I'm not criticizing him for it, but uh, he's doing that with Jonathan Scope. You know, he's he, he good swings, good swings. You know, and. Uh, he did have a, his first multi-hit game of the season on Saturday. So for the record, there, I don't. I'm not gonna pretend like I've examined him from a hitting science perspective, uh, but it just doesn't look good. And I like, I like the, I like the take there of let's just give him more playing time. And then by the by that time, the contract eating the contract doesn't even matter. I mean, you could argue it doesn't matter anyway, but even more or less so 
you know, as the deeper you get into the year. So actually, it's funny you brought him up because that was number two on my list of guys that are kind of. I, I tried to put this nicely, Cody. I was like, they're kind of like the brakes of, you know, it's Motor City. They're kind of sure. like the brakes a little bit of uh, of the team's, like, path forward. You know, the Cabrera is a tough conversation. The Scope one is it's not tough in the same way. Uh, but it is kind of, it is tough in its own way. I think, you know, one of the toughest conversations to be had about this team is the Austin Meadows situation. Because there's some real stuff going on with him, and you want that to be better than anything else. Uh, if you just look at this from a baseball perspective, he's been a zero for basically since he was a Tiger from a production standpoint and, and all that stuff. And we're not talking about him. I think partly, partly that's out of respect for his situation, and that's, that's the right thing to do. I think also it's partially because you haven't seen Austin Meadows hit a home run in a Tigers uniform. You're not longing as if he had been like a productive player prior um, to, to all this stuff going on with him. And I think Akil Badu is playing exactly like we would think Akil Badu um, would, would play. I put it on Twitter this week. Like, I... I I love watching Akil Badu play baseball. I'm not going to apologize for it. You know, I'm not going to overrate like what his role could be on a team moving forward or whatever, but that guy's in the game. Guess what? I'm not going to the bathroom. <laughs> Guess what? I'm not going to, you know, crack open another another uh, pop. You know, like I want to see what's going to go on with him. And Kerry Carpenter, you know, he had four home runs. So like it wasn't like he was doing nothing and I it looks like maybe he might be, you know, trending toward coming back soon. I don't know. But the Austin Meadows is – I know he's there with the team and stuff, like, you know, it's at least for home games. I don't know about road games. Yeah, just home but games. But he's – yeah, he's he's not on the team in my mental space. And that's just like I can't – I think it's gotten to the point where I just don't think we can kind of like anticipate like, oh, what would this lineup look like when Austin Meadows comes back? Because I think if he does, if, if he does get his situation figured out, that's that'd be great. That'd be awesome for any all the bit reasons that are non baseball, and it'd be just a bonus if he can kind of regain his player form. Uh, but I just, I just don't know if we can really like dedicate any space to him contributing to the team this year. You know, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a really tough conversation. You know, uh, respecting the guy's mental health. Put yourself in Scott Harris's shoes. Like, how do you do that versus way the performance aspect of it? you know we talk about equating mental health to physical health okay well if a guy has an injury that's going to keep him on the 60 day and then you're thinking of a probably a long ramp back to playing shape like like what does that mean i don't know it's a tough conversation to even broach um but it is one of those things i guess you can't just delay forever you know uh we're gonna have to see how this thing plays out see how austin is doing mentally um, obviously wish the best for him and, and for his family from a baseball perspective. It is, uh, you know, I think in the construction of this roster, if you're AJ, if you're Scott, it's, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Like if he happens to come back and does a full rehab assignment is in good shape, like great, but yeah, it, it's not really something you can plan on right now. And, um, that's, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. 
And again, from a pure baseball perspective, you know, not having a guy of his caliber available in the lineup, like it's another ham, it's another hamstrung for 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 AJ Hinch, you know, on an everyday basis. You know, it's just that's just the reality of the situation. And of course, you know, I hope we did a good job of this. I think we did. The most important thing is for him to get right, you know, for his family, for the rest of his life, and all that stuff. Uh, but you know, just this is a Tigers podcast. I, you know, we do have to talk about the actual baseball aspect of it. Uh, another thing, kind of pulling the tigers back i think is and this is relates to the scope stuff it's just like it is as fluid a situation as you can have two infield spots be where like they might just flip them which is what has happened multiple times including this week it's like all right mate's on at third and you know mckinstry is second and you know what tomorrow we're doing a switcheroo we're gonna put mckinstry at third and Maton at second, and uh, it there's a McKistry conversation that we need to have here in a second, but just this like level of uncertainty at those two spots, and we're bringing this up on a weekend in which Jamer Candelario looked like an all star, uh, certainly worth the seven and a half million. Uh, so uh, it, it 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 I wouldn't go as far as saying that they're holes because I think that's a little dismissive of the impact that McKistry's had but they're definitely drags on the order when you're you know Abanez is cooled off and you know Nevin was a flop in the majors and you know maybe he'll get another shot and we all like Zach Short the guy but we all know Zach Short the player what it is you know what I mean so uh it, it, I just feel like that's something that also is pulling the team back and AJ's having to you know, it just seems like he's having to kind of pull a rabbit out of a hat to try to figure out what to do here with the limited bench, which is partially due to the scope and the Cabrera situations. Uh, I mean, hey, it looks like Wolfie's back, baby. He literally went up there and didn't swing for 15 pitches in a row, which I thought was awesome and probably what he should have done a long time ago. Towering Homer home run today. Fastball, like, like Wolfie's back, baby. Here's one, here's one that actually just blew my mind. Nick Maton, after his home run, now has a higher OPS than Javi Baez. So, you know, oh I'm always kind of defending Javi, and I've been, like, pretty, yeah. like, this Maton thing isn't really working. And after that, I, he's actually been the more productive offensive player. Uh, that goes to show, like, you can just cut numbers, and, and they can kind of tell you different things, right? Uh, another one, Zach Short. Again, we love him. He's, he's not playing very often, man. Like, why is he on the... Why do you have guys on the roster if they're not going to play? You know, that, that like, and when you have guys like Maton that aren't performing, like, that that hurts you. Uh, I think this this goes back to the larger discussion of, like, why did the Tigers not get an actual third baseman? Or why didn't they keep Jamer Candelario? Maton, Maton and McKinstry wouldn't be a good platoon because they're both left-handed. But say you had, you weren't as reliant on Maton and you had say instead of McKinstry, you had a right-handed version of McKinstry because that's how you constructed your team. Like, I think you could feel all right about that. You know, if you also had a reliable, like everyday dude at third base, but that's not the reality of the roster. And that's not how you can feel. Instead, it's a lot of question marks and the good play of Zach McKinstry has been a blessing from above. Cause if not for him, you would feel really, really bad about the infield. Uh, if, if they gave award for uh, most stable player, 
uh, Zach McHistory would kind of be up there, man. No like, and and if you took the word valuable as just like the dictionary definition in the MVP, he'd have to be up there too. He's highly he's, valuable. Oh, he's, he's stealing he's, bases. He's second to Riley Green in WAR. <laughs> yeah, and he's uh he's batting lead off. Like he, he's drawing walks. Like there. It's definitely a victory lap for Scott Harris about the Zach McGinstry thing. And, you know, myself was wrong. Like, I, I was a pretty snap judgment on it, and I think a but lot to, of people but were. But to your point, I agree. Like, I was wrong in my initial evaluation of him, too. Although I said last week, like, long term, I, I still know. And right now, he seems more like super utility, right? Which is good. Great to have on your team. Valuable. Leaves you with. Still kind of a hole at second and a hole at third, and, like, McKinstry can, can patch one of those on a given day, but you're asking them to do a lot, and... and At least play the outfield. Right, right. Like, <laughs> so, been a great acquisition if he continues playing like this, a great super utility guy. Even, say he plays like this for the rest of the year, and he finishes worth, like, two-point-something war. I don't know if I want him penciled in as the everyday second baseman next year, like... I think I'd love him in the super utility role, and he can be a compliment to to um, other guys who are, are bona fide major league players. Is he? Uh, I literally just came up with this, so you tell me if this is just like really off base. Is he sort of like a infield Willie Peralta from a couple years ago, where it was like, <laughs> hey, this is this is this is yeah, really helpful. Yeah, this is Willie really helpful. and Drew Hutchison. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. You know, so like, yeah, I mean, it's but he has to this to... point, which is still May, he's been their best like position player acquisition since I don't know who, <laughs> uh, maybe Jamer maybe Candelario, like when he first came <laughs> up, like, I guess, you know, like that's about all I got. Year one of Robbie Grossman, uh, well, oh, there, okay. there you go, that's actually your winner, Robbie Grossman, baby. Robbie Grossman had, was 2020 for the Tigers. I had uh, I was at a baby shower on Saturday, and you know they had the the Ranger game on, and without prompt, this is one of the is a bunch of guys watching the TV without prompt. One of them goes, "Oh God, I can't stand Grossman." <laughs> I, was, I was like, hey, ninety four OPS hey, man, plus, uh, man, he'd be one of the best players on the Tigers. <laughs> how uh, how about that? And then, okay, so the, the sort of like the last thing that I kind of had jotted down for what has kind of been the pullback for the team. It's, you got to bring up Turnbull, at least for a second, again. Uh, but starting pitcher injuries is like a kind of a real thing. Like last year, your four of your core starting, I guess, okay, this is actually an imperfect analogy. But if you were like to say like, who are some of your core starting pitchers like projecting 2023 and like 2021? You would have said like uh, you would have said Manning. You would have said my totally you said wrong. Google, and you would have said Turnbull, and they're all hurt right now. You know, uh, it, it, another thing that I think we're kind of not giving the credit it deserves for just like how how big that is. Like you got a broken foot, Manning, and that's why you have to still throw Joey Wentz out there, even though he really needs to go into the mechanic shop that is, you know, triple A, you know, and then you're going to IL Turnbull. We talk about a lot of this depth would be in Toledo if all these guys weren't hurt, right? Um, And you would obviously made different moves in the offseason. 
but I guess it's good news for for Scooble. Maybe he gets back sooner than maybe we thought. I was kind of looking at like a late July thing, but if we're if we're talking about it now, that probably I don't know. But I don't want to put any timetable. Yeah, there. hard to say. I could see early July if all that's contingent on everything going smoothly, which doesn't seem to happen often. So, and you know, the Tigers have been two years without essentially having. Casey Mize, you know, because of the injury, mm-hmm. what he pitched, what was it, 12 Two innings games? last year or whatever? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, like, you basically have been without him for two seasons, and then the school injury, you know, obviously happened last year as well. And it, these are guys that you were relying upon, some more than others, some for different roles than others. And, like, that's why, again, you have to throw Joey Wentz out there and, at a certain point, just hope that he eats innings, so you don't have to burn your bullpen arms. Oh, there's there's no great. I mean, thank God for Alex Fiedo, who's kind of uh, trending back in the right direction stock wise, and he's been pretty good. I I always thought like he'd kind of been written out of the picture a little too early, and I still don't know if he's uh, a, a four or five starter or like a long reliever in the in the big picture, but you know. Fayetto's giving you some some uh, needed innings already this year, and imagine if you didn't have them. I think what you need is is these young guys in the minors step forward, Reese Olsen, Wilmer Flores. Like you need you need those dudes to become viable options by the end of the year, um, and we'll see if that happens or Ty not. Madden. So far, so far, your time time Madden, who I believe is doing really well. Um, yeah. That that's a dude you could be on the lookout for for sure. It seems like he's he's kind of leaped Wilmer in terms of stock, uh, definitely, and added. It's like a more well-rounded arsenal. I was always a little critical. I was like, Madden seems like another one of these two-pitch guys. Is that going to work? Seems like he's uh, the sliders improved. Seems like he's more of a three-pitch pitcher now. So um, I think I think you need one of those guys to be ready to come to Detroit at some point this summer for sure. Well, speaking of starting pitching, this week's Harris kind of guys is one that we definitely need to acknowledge what he's doing, and that's Michael Lorenzen. So Lorenzen's gone seven, seven, uh, and been, six yeah. in his last last three starts, and those three starts combined for two earned runs. So I'm not going to use the term dealing, but for back end of rotation dealing, whatever version that is, he's kind of dealing. Like he's giving you quality innings. And he's giving you quality output. And so he was brought in. It was rough. He had the injury. Like, it was kind of gross his first start as a Tiger, even though they won the game and he had a good attitude about it. Give him credit for that. But another one of the uh, McKinstry, although obviously you sign him for a bigger, bigger impact than you acquire McKinstry right before the season. But you see what I'm saying? Another sort of like, this is the kind of guy that I'm identifying that can help this team if you're uh, Scott Harris victory lap. Lorenzen's been awesome, dude. He's been awesome. Another pretty important, you know, when you look at the guys who are hurt, when you look at the guys who haven't pitched well. And, you know, that, that first, like, seven-inning start from Lorenzen, I didn't think he was that good. And really, I felt like I I had never been that uh, enticed by his stuff, seeing him in person at least. Felt like he got away with a lot in that first seven inning start, but I, I wonder if it did something for his psyche because the two outings since I think have been really good. The changeups a legit pitch. Uh, the the Arsenal seems more well rounded. He's talked about simplifying it, which has helped him. 
He's filling up the zone with strikes, but he's he's slowly, um, I think he had seven strikeouts, slowly starting to miss some more bats. We'll see if it continues, but I uh, went very quickly from not being honestly very impressed at all with Michael Lorenzen to like, oh, okay, like I see what the Tigers saw here. Like it seems like they are drawing that out of him, which was always the plan. So uh, right now, yeah, that's a, that's a Scotty Boy victory lap. Uh, my number one on the HKG rankings, though, we'll we'll go in opposite direction. I'll go Jamer Candelario. You know, <laughs> two fifty three average, three ten one base, six home runs. That would lead the Tigers. Uh, one hundred three WRC plus. What if you had a, a solid switch hitting third baseman? You know, seems like something a, a savvy front office executive might like <laughs> on the ball club. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't like turn that away if it was in your lap, of course. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's true, and I, I like that kind of pulling it out of them. I, that's I think as kind of weird as this week was, the pulling it out of them guys is why this team is again on the doorstep of being a 500 baseball team and trying to play competitive baseball. I think there was some lamenting of whether that would like really be the case this year, and you know the Miguel Cabrera thing, like we talked about, kind of like goes against it a little bit, but I. Well, not I'll, I'll say they are playing competitive baseball. They are AJ Hinch with his in-game decisions makes that clear. Like this, we're not just kind of here f- to get a little bit of a tan on a Tuesday <laughs> night or whatever Wednesday afternoon. Like we're here, to, you know, try to win games here, and um, and so a lot of thought-provoking stuff there, Cody. Anything else you want to add? No, I mean I, th- I think that's that's the thing that's going to determine what happens to the Tigers the rest of the year. Can you continue to pull a little bit more out of all these guys? Matt Vierland, for example, you know, is is what we saw from Maton this weekend. Actually, going to get him back on track. Um, obviously, we've talked about Riley and Torque. They're still as huge as anything, and the pitching. Like it seems like you need to get a little more out of a couple of these starters. Does Matt Boyd, who was a lot better in his last outing, does he find a rhythm? If the Tigers are going to continue to remain interesting, those are those are kind of the things that are going to have to happen. Schedule is easing up here. So far, the first week of easier schedule has not actually gone <laughs> according to plan, but uh, but that's the beauty of baseball, baby. I agree. I purposely didn't bring up schedules today because I was <laughs> like, I just didn't want to like, I just didn't even want to get into it. But that that is a that is a good point. All right, well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, real quick uh, update. My father is home. He's going to do yeah. – uh, I put that on Twitter. Uh, I appreciate everybody that said a kind word, hit the like button, all that stuff. Uh, he's got a great attitude. He's just going to do outpatient rehab Monday through Friday, like 9 to 3 type deal, and uh, made a lot of great progress over the past couple of weeks. So I want to thank everybody again, thoughts and, and prayers and – and well wishes and all that stuff. Uh, we're very happy uh, the family is with the well wishes and just with his progress so far. Because just another reminder, nothing is guaranteed. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for subscribing on the, to The Athletic. To read Cody's great work, subscribe to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, 5 Star Review if you feel so inclined. Turn the corner on YouTube. Subscribe if you wish. I've put a couple videos, one to two videos a week uh, when they seem appropriate. And, yeah, so I want to thank everybody for listening once again. Thanks for the well wishes, and everybody have a great week.